Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into the big show. We are live. Getting your week underway. Second week of April 2015. Things are going off all across the world uh, in the uh, in the soccer world specifically. That's why we're here. We talk about soccer. Big show again for you today. Kyle McCarthy from Fox Soccer will join us to talk about the MLS weekend. Lots of quality soccer, or at least entertaining soccer. Not all of it was quality. I'm not going to say that MLS was suddenly a great league this weekend, but it was certainly better than last week. Had all of those internationals returning to their teams, rosters filled back out, some players returning from injury. It was a good day. Uh, a good weekend, rather. A couple of days. Good couple of days. I'm also seeing this morning, I didn't even put this in the headlines, so I'm going to mention it here. Zlatan Ibrahimovic has, has applied for a U.S. visa. Oh, my goodness gracious. What is happening? Pablo has hit me up on Twitter saying, hey, your dream is about maybe, to, maybe going to come true. Zlatan to MLS. I would love to have Zlatan Ibrahimovic in MLS. But I'd rather it be like in two years rather than, say, in four years or three years. Zlatan is, what, 33 years old? 34 this year better happen soon otherwise we're talking about just a little too old for i mean i'm not saying he can't be a great player in this league and he would bring some intrigue speaking of intrigue we got a little bit of that in mls which i'm excited about i'm excited to talk about can we spend 20 minutes with kyle mccarthy on tissue gate can we do that is that possible if you miss tissue gate just a little fun between oscar breha and caleb porter out in portland we'll get to that not just MLS, but let's do the headlines ahead of Kyle McCarthy. After Kyle McCarthy, by the way, plenty of time for phone calls. We had a plan to introduce a new phone screening system today. Turns out the technology is not quite ready, so it's going to happen probably tomorrow. So you won't get to talk to producer Trevor before you get on the air today. You'll still be talking to me directly. Unscreened phone calls. Fun times ahead. In uh, headlines, MLS results from the weekend. Cascadia, all three teams. Getting wins on the weekend. Seattle, Portland, Vancouver. Vancouver beating the LA Galaxy 2-0. Up there at BC Place. Goals from Rivero and Kukutamane. And they just look good right now. Vancouver, top of the Western Conference. The Portland Timbers with a big win over FC Dallas. Yes, FC Dallas was missing Moro Diaz. Yes, Blas Perez only played the second half. But a good win for Caleb Porter's team. And in the aftermath of that game, again, Caleb Porter... Oscar Breha coming together for the customary post-game handshake that man the coaches do, managers do. It's just you know, you know, you go shake the hand of the guy you just played. Whether you beat him or or, or not, it's a matter of respect. Apparently, Oscar Breha was not too enthralled with Caleb Porter's machinations on the sideline and decided to attempt to hand Caleb Porter a used tissue. Now, I don't know that that Oscar was like rocking a, a cold or was taking Mucinex or anything like that. I don't know if it was on that level. But just the, the idea of a used tissue. If you haven't seen this video, Caleb Porter goes, goes ahead and grabs it and tosses it aside. He actually knows it's coming. He can see, you, you watch the video, it's on, the, the camera's on Caleb Porter as he sort of, sort of strolls towards Preha on the sideline. He can see it coming. He starts to laugh a little bit. Yeah, okay, buddy. Score, and then he gives him a little scoreboard. Scoreboard. Tosses away the tissue. And I love this about Caleb Porter. I, I don't know that I'd like the guy personally. Maybe be fun to have a beer with, talk soccer. But I think he riles people up. I don't think that people like Caleb Porter. I think he's a little brash. He's a little, he gets under people's skin. I love that about him. We need more of that in MLS. We got Bruce Arena down in LA doing his blunt thing. Everybody sort of has become accustomed to Bruce. Caleb Porter brings a wrinkle. And if Oscar Breha wants to play the villain in this situation, I don't know. Who you, who do you identify as the villain? Oscar Breha for his tissue attempt. Caleb Porter for the way he rubs people the wrong way. I don't know. Just not, there's not a lot of interesting characters. You get guys yelling on the sideline. Peter Vermees never shuts up. Ben Olsen is quite the yeller. Around the league, some other coaches who are of interest but only so much. We need more characters in this league. Uh, I mentioned Vancouver and Portland, Seattle also with a win over Houston. Oba Femi Martins. My goodness gracious. Fantastic goal from the Nigerian. 
Uh, we have uh, Chicago beating TFC 3-2 at Toyota Park. Chicago can't play defense. Toronto FC can't play defense, and it made for an interesting game. Jovinko was good, but obviously Sean Maloney stepped up for Chicago. You had the goal from uh, Jovan Jones, just was the fantastic little play. Maloney with the back heel, Jones with a great shot to beat Joe Bednick. Uh, not a good thing for Toronto, clearly. You want to go down and beat, which is what everybody suspects is one of the worst teams in the league. At the same time, Chicago is getting better. You can see it. Chicago is improving week to week. That's a, if you're not going to start well, if you're not going to come firing out of the gates, no, no pun intended, you at least want to improve week to week, and that's certainly the case in Chicago. You had RSL holding off San Jose with a Javier Morales, a fantastic goal. Hits the wall with a free kick, and then she goes, go ahead, I'll just go ahead and put the volley in. I'll just take that rebound and hit that volley right in the back of the net for RSL to win at Avaya Stadium. And you had last night's game, Sporting Kansas City overcoming a two-goal, or I say a goal deficit to beat Philadelphia with two goals in added time. And the Union, I know we got some Philly listeners out there. You might want to get your phones ready. Rick, I'm talking to you. You guys want to jump in and, and talk about the state of the Philadelphia Union? We can certainly do that. Arista Grieta, however you say his name, good. Marisa Du, pretty good at center back. Beyond that, what do you got working for you, Philadelphia? In the English Premier League, fantastic goals from Rooney, Charlie Adam, Jermaine Defoe. It was a great weekend for goals in England. Arsenal throttling Liverpool 4-1. Arsenal on the rise, Liverpool taking a dive. This is the narrative that's happening right now. We'll see if it holds out for the remainder of the season. Not much time left. Chelsea maintains their gap at the top of the table by beating Stoke 2-1. Had some other interesting results around the league as well. Burnley and Tottenham. Tottenham held off by Burnley for a goalless draw. Sunderland beating Newcastle. The Tideware Derby. That's the Defoe goal. Fantastic from them. Sunderland seems to own Newcastle recently. Everton beating Southampton. Little boost to their confidence. QPR attempting to stay up in the Premier League, beating West Brom 4-1. to You do have one game today, Crystal Palace against the title chasers Manchester City. In Spain, Ronaldo scored five times. One, two, three, four, five times. As Real Madrid destroyed Granada in the La, in La Liga. They did not uh, make up any ground on Barcelona, unfortunately, because Barcelona did get a one nothing win over Celta Vigo. And Jurgen Klinsmann, at halftime of that game uh, at Avaya Stadium, RSL in San Jose, talking about the World Cup creating a hole for the U.S. men's national team. And here's your explanation for why they can't finish out games, guys. Because of the World Cup hangover. When was when was the World Cup? I'm checking my watch here. That's not going to work. I need a calendar for this. That was a long time ago, that World Cup. Is that what we're going with now? That's the excuse, Jurgen. Okay, if you say so. Let's take a break. When we come back, Kyle McCarthy from Fox Soccer and Inside MLS will join us to talk about those MLS results. Fantastic goals, surprising score lines. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning, joined now on the telephone by Kyle McCarthy from Fox Soccer inside MLS over there at foxsoccer.com. Kyle J. McCarthy on Twitter. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you? Hey, we had a bit of an uptick in the uh, level of play and the entertainment value of MLS this weekend, so uh, I think that's a positive we can all point to. Uh, I would say so. I mean, it, it managed to get me out of that lamb and do stupor from yesterday. 
all that excitement last night. So I'd say it's a win. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, certainly an interesting way to cap off your night with Sporting Kansas City and Philadelphia um, with that comeback. We'll get to that game. I want to start up in the Pacific Northwest, all three of the teams out there getting wins. Uh, Seattle one nothing over Houston. Portland with a 3-1 win over FC Dallas. And then the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, 2 nothing over the LA Galaxy. I'm going to start with the Whitecaps. Top of the Western Conference, an incredibly fun team to watch. We obviously know about uh, Cucuta Mane. They have uh, uh, Rivero up there at the top. They have uh, Pedro, um, sorry, Pedro Morales in the midfield. Give me a sense of where you think Vancouver is in their evolution under Carl Robinson. Uh, they're in a great spot right now because they're coming off one of the best collective performances of the season to date against the Galaxy. They were very, very good on Saturday night, and it showed in the way the Galaxy struggled for 90 minutes at BC Place. And right now, the Whitecaps have a good sense of who they are and, and what they're able to do. And when they get out on the break, they are really, really dangerous. And uh, are they the finished product yet? Maybe not. But you can tell the difference in that side with Octavio Rivero leading the line up front. More of those moves end in goals. And that's a great thing for Vancouver right now. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think it's a bit of a theme. I'm going to focus on the Whitecaps still, but I think it's a bit of a theme. We've got a lot of teams in this league, or at least a handful uh, at the top, at the top end of the uh, the quality scale, who are good on the break, who are good at running, who want to run. I mean, they're they're that thoroughbred that's in the gate at the Kentucky Derby that's just itching to get out on the track. Is that a is that just a, a circumstantial thing for you, Kyle? Is that a matter of the way teams are are building? Is that a you know, we can talk about stylistic elements going across a league the way that we talk about La Liga being technical, et cetera, et cetera. Is that just the way MLS is evolving? It's part. It's partly MLS. Uh, it's partly the evolution of world football. When you look at how teams are set up now, you, you see a lot of breaks and then counters to the breaks and then another break to counter the counter. It's a... <laughs> That's sort of how everything is working right now. And I think in MLS, it makes a lot of sense because when you look at the teams uh, and the players involved, uh, there's a lot of pace. Uh, there's a lot of ability to, to maybe string one, two, three passes together instead of six, seven, or eight. Uh, and you've got the all the tools to, to really get out on the counter and and be effective, and I think you've seen that early in the season. And we've we've talked about um, again Vancouver and the and the the attacking talent they have with Rivero, Made, and Morales as established starters. You got Mesquita starting right now, but obviously, um, uh, obviously they've got options there in Vancouver uh, with Moro Rosales. You have uh, Laba and and Tybert. Give me a sense of what what Matias Laba and Russell Tybert do in that team, and and how important they are to getting that team out on the break. They're critical, and you saw that on Saturday because both both players put together very good performances. Uh, they've had some ups and downs this year, uh, the two of them, but on Saturday they were both very good. Uh, they win the ball in good areas, and they make smart, simple passes to get the break started because when you're, when you're Vancouver, the first glance is always to Pedro Morales because he has the capability of spreading the field with, with long diagonals and with intelligent vertical balls. And, uh, you know, when you have guys like Lava and Tiber who are capable of winning possession and, and then getting it to the guys who can make the difference, uh, that, that's critical. Uh, let me turn to the, to the Galaxy here for just a second. Uh, we, we've seen Bruce Arita kind of tinker with uh, the midfield, specifically the partner for Janino. It's Varanin, who's a name I'm, I'm probably butchering right now, but we've seen Husidic in that, that position. We've seen Kenny Walker in that position. W what is unbalanced for the Galaxy right now, and, and how are they going to, to figure it out? I mean, we expect them to be there at the end, Kyle, but for the time being, it doesn't look like this is even close to what they should be. They're trying to get through until Steven Girard arrives in the summer, and, and you, you saw that with Marcelo Sarvis's exit to, to Colorado during the close season. You've seen it with the, the raft of players that, that Bruce Arena has shuffled through that central midfield department. It, it's all marking time until Steven Girard gets, gets to Southern California. Uh, for now, it's certainly a scenario where the Galaxy are going to have to find some middle ground. I don't think they've hit top form uh, at any point this year. I think they've ground out some results, and they've had other nights where they haven't been as good. Uh, 
but the the key for Bruce Arena and the Galaxy right now uh, is to find a way to construct service to to Robbie Keane. He's not seeing enough of the ball, uh, and when there are opportunities to to get him in dangerous spots, the Galaxy aren't doing an effective enough job of combining those two or three passes to, to put Robbie Keane into good areas. And you can see Keane starting to get frustrated with the quality of the, the play around him. And they, they need to address that situation promptly. All right, let me go down, uh, let me go down the coast a bit to uh, the Seattle Sounders with a one nothing win over uh, Houston. And you get a, go- a goal from Obafemi Martin, sub- subsequently a, a red card from uh, Gonzalo Pineda that puts Seattle down to 10 men. Is it fair to try to assess how good Seattle is right now? Because they've been a little rough, and they've obviously had some injuries and some absences. Uh, considering that they played for ten men uh, with ten men for more than half an hour, it was an important result for Seattle. I don't think you take a lot from the performance uh, because Seattle did enough to win the game. Uh, they certainly did enough to to blunt a, a, a dynamo attack that had no variety whatsoever, no thrust from central midfield. Uh, so it, it's a good a good three points for Seattle, uh, and I think it, it might take a few more weeks for, for the Sounders to, to get everybody back, get everybody functioning, and, and try and work towards something that's a little bit more fluid and a little bit more incisive, uh, like you'd expect. On the other side, Houston down there in, in ninth place right now, five points from five games. Owen Coyle, we assumed he was going to have an adjustment period that's essentially the same team they played last year under Dom Kinnear, what is it uh, What is it that Houston doesn't have? You mentioned that midfield thrust. How can they fix that if, if they've got a roster that's pretty established? I don't know that we expect them to go out into the market anytime soon. There's not a ton of flexibility given the, given the salaries that the Dynamo have currently. Uh, but I would say that the most important thing for the Dynamo is to, is to stop leaking goals. Uh, they have a tendency to, to give up poor goals. I think you saw that on Saturday. Owen Coyle pointed it out in his post-match remarks. They've got to stop giving away bad goals. And that's that's the foundation for everything they do. I think they'll be a little bit better uh, going forward uh, as the season progresses. Uh, they certainly have some talent there. Uh, they've got some guys who are capable of scoring goals and creating them. But uh, the first thing for them is, is they've got to get it sorted out defensively, to cut out some of those errors. Well, you've got. I'm, I'm looking at the at the way that they lined up, Kyle, and we know that these things are fluid. And and I didn't actually get to watch much of that game, so you'll probably have to correct me if I'm wrong here. But it looks like they're playing Rico Clark fairly high up the field. That's not going to be his best position if you're relying on him to be the guy to get the ball out wide to Davis or, or Garcia or up top to Giles Barn. That's that maybe not may not be the most. I'm not saying he can't get the job done occasionally, but he's certainly not a most effective there. Well, it's not what the Dynamo do. They're not looking to create through the middle of the field. They're looking to get the ball wide, get it down, and get crosses into the box. And, and that's all well and good, but when you look at the final half hour on Saturday night, they put the ball wide all the time, and then they, they try to get into the box, and you've got, uh, what, eight, nine Seattle players inside the penalty area that to head those balls away. It, it's sort of a futile exercise, so... Uh, for the Dynamo, it's going to be uh, key to, to find a little bit more variety uh, in, in the approach play moving forward. I mean, that's interesting to consider that uh, going going up a man uh, while they're, when they're already down a goal is actually probably not the best situation for the Dynamo because it just means the Sounders are going to pack it in a little bit more to p- try to protect that goal lead, and they're not built to break that down. Yeah, and, and that's what it is. And that's the that's the sort of situation where you, where you look at Houston and you wonder – uh, what might have happened if Alex Lopez had panned out? Mm. You know, sort of a, a more creative figure, the the type of guy who, you know, at least on paper was supposed to be able to to break down uh, opposing defenses through the middle. Uh, and he's a DNP CD uh, watching from the substitutes bench uh, while Will Bruin and Lionel Miranda come onto the field. Mm. So uh, I think that that is a is a scenario where where the Dynamo just simply didn't have enough options to to really break down the Sounders. All right, let's uh, let's go to Portland where the Timbers beat FC Dallas 3-1. to one. A, a, a needed performance from the Timbers. They didn't take on a fully fit and healthy FC Dallas team. We had the tete-a-tete afterwards over the tissue, which maybe I'll get to. But in terms of the Timbers' performance, what are the takeaways? What did they do right that actually gives them hope? 
moving forward that this is going to be different than last year? I thought they were were just solid from back to front. I thought they put together a pretty complete performance, and they really needed it. They hadn't been good through the first month of the season, and for them to, to assemble that sort of display to get the three goals and really brush aside an SC Dallas team that, that wasn't very good on Saturday night. Uh, I think it's a good step for the Timbers. I think there's still a lot of work to do in Portland, but uh, I think they did enough on Saturday night to, to offer some encouraging signs. Uh, now, obviously, FC Dallas had started very well and was in first place until this weekend. Uh, apparently, Oscar Preal was not too happy with the way Caleb Porter was acting on the sideline or something to that effect and attempted to hand him a tissue. I, I'm assuming the message was stop your crying. Um, I, I'm all for this stuff, Kyle, because I think it just brings more interest to the league and, and it's fun to have villains and, and black hats and white hats. Um, but ultimately, are we going to, should we criticize Pereja for the, for the action? Should we, should we come down on Porter for being a little too vociferous in his complaints? Oh, let's, let's not even, let's put that aside. Let's just relish the, 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 interaction between the two. I mean, we can, we can just put that on a loop and, and just watch it all day. Well, and, I, and, and that's fun. And, and yeah. we need a little bit more fun. Yeah, the, we, the first we week, the first month of the MLS season hasn't included enough fun. And when you look at stuff like that, it's total, total nonsense. It's total heat of the moment stuff. And, uh, you can't really take a lot from it. And you, you just sort of, Enjoy it, and I think I think that's where I fall on uh, tissue game. Yeah, and look, Porter's got you know he's got a reputation now for ticking guys off. I mean, the All Star game, high profile uh, All Star game incident where Pep Guardiola was none too happy with the way the All Stars were playing against his in preseason Bayern Munich team, which I don't think is on Por- on Porter at all. Um, and that was interesting because of Porter's. Uh, uh, you know, Porter being a uh, an adherent to the style that Pep Guardiola likes to play, at least at the time. Then uh, I, I vividly remember from, I think it's 2013, uh, the Timbers getting a late winner against the Galaxy and Porter just gesticulating in the direction of Bruce Arena. So he, he's got a he's got a history of this. And again, I, I, you know, I, people want to talk about class and and winning with respect. I don't know, Kyle. I mean, let's let's mix it up a bit. Yeah. It, and I. I think it's I think it's a nice change. I think it's I think it's intriguing for me to watch. Certainly, sitting at home, I'm I'm it, it's what twelve thirty Eastern when that game's coming to the to, coming to a close, and you know you, you're winding it down, and all of a sudden you just see a little tete a tete between the two managers, and and that's a nice way to end the night. I thought it was a little bit of an intrigue. <laughs> yeah, when it when it comes to when it comes to Caleb Porter, I think I think my my Fox colleague Alexi Lawless. Uh, said it best last night, and you can find the find the clip on uh, at Inside MLS, and and he said basically that the Caleb Porter is an irritant. Yes, and that's a good thing, right. and right. Uh, I think that's probably the best way to sum it up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm totally on board with this. All right, let's uh let's turn to Chicago's three two win over Toronto. Um, Chicago hadn't been very good to this point in the season. Sean Maloney hadn't been very good to this point in the season. I think the bright spot was Harry Ship, but you wondered what Frank Yallop was actually doing there in Chicago. Now, they still are not a good defensive team, Kyle. That was, it was clear. Um, and, and give, you know, give Jovinko credit and, and uh, TFC credit for some of the things that they did. But to score three goals, and Toronto FC is not very good at defensively either, to score three goals and win that game has to boost the confidence. And to see Sean Maloney play that well has to boost the confidence of the fire. It was an important win for, for Chicago, uh, I think. You, you get a second one on the trot. You, you continue some of the, the positives, and you get Sean Maloney firing. Uh, that was a game with a lot of bad defending uh, for both teams. Just some really ugly stuff in the defensive third. But uh, for the fire, uh, you get three goals. You, you get Sean Maloney on the board, uh, and you really start to, to find the essence of that team. Frank Yalb struggled in that first month of the season because he couldn't get all of his players uh, on the field. But if you look at that lineup on Saturday, it's a lot closer to where he wants to be. Uh, he's got David Akam firing on the left, running at, at people. He's got Sean Maloney scheming behind the lines, trying to get uh, plenty of supply up front. And that's that's better for the fire, and it's a good step forward for him. Yeah, we got a couple of games, uh, just very, very briefly. Uh, D.C. United getting another late winner against Orlando. Orlando's biggest problem is they just don't have anybody at the front of that line to, to help Kaká. 
That that's absolutely true. And DC United had Orlando City set up for the rope a dope for about <laughs> forty minutes or so, and then Luis Silva finally completed it. Yeah. So Orlando City needs to to find somebody who can score goals. It's I, as simple as that. I, I looked at their roster, Kyle. Just very briefly, they don't have uh, their roster is twenty one, twenty, nineteen, twenty, and then they have a twenty seven year old who I don't know anything about. And that's it. And none of them are are. Uh, goal scorers that you uh, you can point to a good record. So it's certainly going to be a problem in Orlando if they can't find somebody to score goals for them. San Jose beats, uh, sorry, RSL beats San Jose one nothing at Avaya Stadium. Javier Morales with a great goal. And I'm just going to ask you specifically about the way RSL is playing as opposed to the Jason Kreiss era. Kassar has made some changes. Are they going to be as effective in that uh, 4-3-3 that they're playing as they were in the Diamond? The jury's still out, uh, but that was a better display against San Jose yesterday. I thought they deserved the points, and, and Javier Morales obviously scored a good goal. So, encouraging display for RSL going forward. Uh, New England 2 nothing over Colorado. Uh, Juan Agadello with a fantastic goal. Colorado's just bad. They haven't won a game in 18 matches going back to last year. New England had to have that win. Yeah, I have as many MLS goals in the past six months as the Colorado Rapids do. So that's not really a great sign at the moment. Uh, I actually thought the Rapids were okay for some stretches on Saturday, um, but the Revs had them sized up from the outset. They were just waiting to break on them, and, and that first goal uh, with Kellen Rowe winning the ball in, in central midfield and then pinging the diagonal for uh, Juan Agadello to, to finish was uh, perhaps the goal of the weekend. Last game uh, of the weekend, Sporting Kansas City's comeback against Philadelphia. I'm going to put that more on Philly than on Sporting Kansas City. We did have the, the wonderful moment when uh, the first couple of goals came from set pieces and your colleague Alexi Lalas identified a set piece orgy going on. Uh, just to make it less uncomfortable, I'm going to move past that and just ask you about what that you know? What do you take away from that game? It was so uh, chaotic. It was obviously dependent on set pieces, and Philadelphia just doesn't have. I don't know. They're missing something there. Uh, they're missing the ability to complete passes. Uh, <laughs> when when you when you pass the ball at a fifty two percent clip, which is the second worst uh, performance in uh, a handful of years in MLS. Uh, you can't expect to win the game when you pass the ball that poorly. And Philadelphia almost got away with it because Sporting Kansas City was pretty terrible in midfield for much of that game. But if you can't keep the ball at all and you're trying to see out the game, it makes it very difficult. And Sporting Kansas City was able to push and push and push, and all of a sudden you break through. Uh, so it goes down to the old adage, if you can't keep the ball, uh, you're going to find yourself in a little bit of trouble. It seems like everything is just entrenched in Philadelphia. I mean, they may change coaches pretty regularly, Kyle, but in terms of Nick Sikavich's leadership and, and sort of the where that team is in the in the hierarchy of MLS, and I've called them, you know, they act like a, a lower-middle-class team, I don't see anything changing in the near future. doesn't look like it, does it? Uh, there's not a, a big DP on the horizon. Uh, there's not a, a broad change in the spending philosophy of the club. And there's still the same guy up top. So uh, I don't see a lot of room for encouragement for the union. Uh, but I, I do think it's going to probably get better than conceding twice in stoppage time to lose a heartbreaker. You certainly hope so. Kyle McCarthy from Fox Soccer Inside MLS. Make sure you're reading that blog and checking out Kyle's tweets at Kyle J. McCarthy. Kyle, I know you got to run. I appreciate the time. Hey, thanks for having me. And there goes Kyle McCarthy. We did it. We got through all the games. I don't know how we did that, but it, it happened. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls on a Monday soccer morning brought to you by WorldSoccerTalk.com. Be right back. to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, back on Soccer Morning. What was your highlight of the weekend? Was it uh, Sporting's comeback over Philadelphia? Was it Real Madrid dropping nine goals 
on uh on Granada was it uh was it uh, Marseille's Tifo which is getting a lot of run out there was it Liverpool well Arsenal crushing Liverpool 4 to 1 was it uh was it Wayne Rooney's goal was it Jermaine Defoe's goal was it Charlie Adams goal was it any of the goals Javier Morales scoring a fantastic Juan Agudelo scoring a, an amazing Obafemi Martin what was your highlight of the weekend hit me up 347 Seven five six six two seven six. Maybe you have something off of my radar. You guys know there's only so much soccer that you can possibly watch. I have my little areas, mostly what's on the television and easily accessible. I should be watching a little bit more League MX. I fully admit to that. I don't normally, I don't normally navigate my way over to continental Europe that often, but there is some interesting things happening there. Eight five six. You're on the air. Foundation. Who's this? I'm just. It's uh, JT. Uh, I mean, Union fan, I'm going to tell you right now, his low light of my weekend was that Union catastrophe. Okay. Yeah, you want to go in that direction? If you're a Union <laughs> fan, you can't ha- possibly have a highlight. It's got to be low lights. No. I mean, for the, first, for the first 85 minutes of that game or 90 minutes of that game, you're probably like, hey, this is pretty good. We're going to shock uh, Sporting at home, although Sporting hasn't been that great at home over the last couple of years. But you probably thought, hey, we're going to shock him at home. Uh, yeah, we're not playing very well. We can't pass the ball at all. But, hey, whatever, three points is three points, and then – Ouch, man. Yeah, that's uh, actually exactly how it felt, especially since uh, Colorado hasn't scored a goal and they have more points than us. <laughs> here's here's yeah, a question. Yeah, that, that is pretty amazing. Here's a question for you, JT. How, how amazing would it be? And I'm not advocating for Philly Sports Talk Radio to get in on the union business because that would steal from me. But how amazing would it be if Philly Sports Talk Radio actually cared about the union and opened up their phone lines to people who wanted to talk about the union, that would be some of the best radio ever, I think. Oh, 100%, because you'd have, you know, the people who blame Curtin, you'd have the people who blame the goalie, Rice, and I think there's only one talk show in Philly that has the union coverage. I think there's only one. I'm pretty sure there's only oh, yeah, one. Look, and those old, look, those old school sports talk guys, even the younger guys, they, they revel in their... I don't give a crap about soccer. Nobody cares about soccer. Da, 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 da. And that's look, that's fine. We have our niche. We we live over here on the internet. I'm cool with that. We've got we got serious satellite radio. If you really want to go in that direction, there's other things that you can park. Te- plenty of podcasts out there. That's why we have phone lines, so you guys can call me and get it all out. So you don't have to call WIP or whoever is in Philly anymore. I don't even know who's in Philly anymore. Uh, Mike on Twitter. The Philadelphia Union culture is damaged beyond repair. The only remedy is removal of the ownership. Now, when he says that, I'm going to ask you since you're here, does he mean Nicky Sachs or does he mean Jay Sugarman or do you think it all needs to go? I think everything needs to go. I think he needs a total makeover. Total makeover. Um, all right. Well, appreciate the phone call, man. No problem. Right, Rick and Philly, let's just keep it rolling. Little union chat. What's going on, Rick? Actually, I was calling to talk about Ajax Utrecht. No, you weren't. <laughs> no, you weren't. I know. Uh, I wish. I wish I was. I know. I know. Um, I know you care about Ajax a lot, Rick. But come on, you weren't. You know, the the only redeeming thing I swear to God about last night was that it wasn't Brian Carroll's fault. <laughs> he did have some bad moments, though, and I know you aren't particularly unfond of one Brian Carroll. <laughs> well, no, seriously, think about the fact. The, the game was so bad on so many levels with so many players contributing to the absolute implosion uh, unseen since the beginning of the universe that Brian Carroll was not one of the lowlights of that game. Uh, by the way, speak, I just mentioned Village Sports Talk Radio, and if they cared about the union, I would be out the callers. I'd be out you and JT and everybody else who might call in to talk about the union. Tony Bruno has tweeted about the union. Luckily, it's opening day in baseball for the Philly, so I imagine I can still get most of that soccer interest away from from Tony Bruno, whoever's on uh, W. I don't when when is Bruno on WIP? I don't even care. Whatever afternoon, but it's it's him and some. You, you don't even care about the other guy. Trust me. <laughs> no, it's it's good God. It, you know, I I. I, I, you know, Jason, you, you know my taste in, in soccer, so you, you know that the, the passing stats that Kyle brought up are particularly painful to me. But you also know I am a very, very devout person. I'm a very devout Catholic, and I find it far easier to believe that a man rose from the dead than that there will be any substantial change in the union's philosophy under this ownership group. Ah, well, there you go. I, 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 don't, I don't think it gets any worse than that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it, I mean, look, if you have a, if you had a recipe for 
fixing. And look, I mean, the, the part of the problem here, Rick, is there are only so many things you can do within the system that exists. And unless unless the ownership is going to just start dumping some money into this team, and I'm talking about Red Bull money, Galaxy money, Seattle South mm-hmm. type money, I don't know what the fix is. I don't even. I don't know you. As 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 Mike you says, you can be you can be you can be poor if you're smart, and you can be stupid if you're rich. But it it, it takes a special kind of suckage to be stupid and poor. Uh, <laughs> it, it, to, to quote Rounders, to paraphrase Rounders, if you look around the table and you can't see Chivas USA, guess what? Mm. Oh. Uh, the, the the shame of it is that the Philadelphia Union is in a league where it's incredibly easy for teams to turn themselves around. Incredibly easy. In one off season, you can go from being a has-been to being you know, in the running for MLS Cup, yeah. and they're never going to do it because they don't have, the, they don't have the, the, the tactical intelligence, they don't have the strategic intelligence, and they don't have the money. Yeah. And they need one of those three things to succeed. All right, Rick, and, I, and I'm, go ahead. Yeah. I'm, just, uh, I'm honestly reaching a point. I mean, at some, at some point, it stops being fun to be upset about it, mm-hmm. and it just starts getting disgusting, and, and it's rapidly approaching that yeah, point. Rick and Philly, I appreciate the call, man. I, I will say this. No team in MLS that I can think of has burned through more goodwill and positive capital simply based on their fan base and what the Sons of Ben did for that city <laughs> when it came to soccer than the Philadelphia Union. They took all of those good feelings and all of those good vibes and, hey, look at this great group of people that we have that essentially willed a team into existence and we have burned it all. We, they have burned it all and it's like they're dancing around the fire wearing pagan costumes and chanting and you know again you put it at the feet of nick 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 sikavich and to a lesser extent you put it at the feet of jay sugarman and you say what what is wrong with you that you can't figure out how to make this at least competitive not not even hey you know we're never going to compete with New York or NYCFC or LA or Seattle. We don't have that kind of income. We don't have that kind of revenue. We don't have that kind of backing. Fine. Fine. You don't want to go spend Clint Dempsey money or Thierry Henry money or Robbie Keane money. Fine. Don't do that. But take a look. Look what DC United did last year. Did anybody think that DC United was a great team? No. No, I don't think so. And ultimately, they, they flamed out in the playoffs. And you kind of could see where the cracks were. But throughout the season, because they had good leadership in Ben Olsen, I don't know the previous year was terrible, but that was, the, that was what Rick was just pointing to. You can turn it around from one year to the next, and Philadelphia has not figured out how to do that. Mike in Philly, what's up? Yeah, I'm just piling on. I, I don't have much to add, but I just need to... I don't know. I, I tweeted at you earlier. I need a therapist or something. It's <laughs> unbearable. It's unbelievable. And it, it, there's no way out. I know Tannenwald keeps talking about, oh, well, the Sons of Ben need to make a statement. And I've been a Sons of Ben member since 2009. Let me tell you, it's, they're not going to make a statement. I hate to say it, but it may be time that some sort of new supporters group opens up in Philadelphia. Wow. and. Uh, start speaking out vocally and anti front office. Uh, uh, and props to the Sons of Ben for, hey, if you want to be nothing but positive for the player's sake, do it. But there's needs to be some sort of outlet for the fans to really show the front office that this is unacceptable. I, I don't hey. care if SAC is... I, people want to say he's not ever going anywhere because oh the team started on his American Express card. Yeah. I don't care about that. It, he needs to be held accountable. There's yeah. no scapegoats left for him. No, I agree with that. Thanks for the call, Mike. I got to move on. Let's go to 208. You're on the air. Hi, Jason. Hi. I am a new Rapids fan, but I just had to move to Ohio. Am I a horrible person if I jump ship and start going, you know, on the side of the crew? Uh, well, if you take a look at your MLS standings right now, Colorado Rapids are in 10th place in the Western Conference. That's last. They have scored zero goals. Now, they've only managed to give up two, so that's how they have any points at all 
because they've drawn three times. But, yeah. But come on, that's abject. I mean, that this is we're we're talking about. Uh, I, I don't even know. Give, give me a give me the worst possible. We're talking about L.A. Clippers before this current generation. We're talking L.A. Clippers finishing last. I mean, that that's how bad they look right now. The Colorado Rapids. Mm-hmm. And yet, I, I yet I am not a fan of jumping ship. I'm not a fan of, of picking a team and then moving on to another team. If you're new, you might get a pass. And look, live is always going to be. I mean, you know, the team you can go see live, or the team you can actually get on television in your local market is always going to trump. You may just come to the to the crew naturally. So I, I'm not going to hate on you if you do. All right, thanks a lot, man. No, appreciate it. That, that's it. That's you just wanted that advice. Yeah, honestly, that's all I got. It's just been so bad that it's honestly painful to watch. I know it is. I, I know it is. When you can't score and, you know, the best thing about, thanks for the call, the best thing about the Rapids right now is 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 Master Randy's mustache, and that cannot be the best thing about the Rapids right now. If you're a fan, 662, you're on the air. Hey, what's up? Who's this? This is Lawrence. What's going on, Lawrence? This- uh, I just uh, I just I got a bold prediction that I that I want to make. Okay. Uh, since Philly has been in the league, they've been one of the better supported teams in terms of attendance. They're usually up there, top top five, top top half of the league, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. So, but if this current trend keeps up, my bold prediction is that they're going to finish bottom five in attendance in the in the league this year. Well, I, I I can't look. I can tell. I can't imagine Philadelphia sports fans. Whether even if you're, you know, even if you're from Jersey, uh, even if you travel an hour and a half to get there, I can't imagine Philadelphia's area sports fans sticking it out with a team that cannot get out of their own way, sticking it out with a team that fi- is finding new ways to fail week to week and year to year. I know they have one playoff appearance in their existence, and again. Credit to the Sons of Ben for being there at the beginning and pushing that team and making Don Garber stand up and take notice to Philadelphia. But at some point, you, those people are just going to trickle away. And if, if it becomes, if the Philadelphia organization becomes, and somebody's pointing this out on Twitter, they're saying something about uh, that all they care about is getting groups in the stadium. If they become one of those teams that, hey, you know, let's just sell a block of tickets to the local U11 team and have them come out. And that's great. I want those U11 kids to go watch the game. But I don't want that to be the focus of the team because otherwise we're not selling any tickets for anybody who actually cares about who wins and who loses. Yeah, I mean, they, like like you said, the Suns of Ben, they're gonna be they're gonna be there down there in the river end, but that's gonna be it. You're gonna, I mean, if they have any national TV games, it's gonna look like Shivas USA did their last couple years. It's gonna be bad. Uh, now, the eternal optimist says they might be able to turn it around, but reality says uh, that's not happening. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens. And look, I, I, there's some question over whether or not the Philadelphia fans are the types to stand up and make make a point about the leadership of that organization and a change that needs to happen. Philadelphia should be taking their cues from Montreal fans because when things were really bad last year, they went out, they 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 created a tifo and said, "Hey, we want some change." So, I who was it? Who was it? They was it Desantis that they wanted out? Held up a tifo that said Desantis out. Bill in Brooklyn, what's up? Hey, Jason. So we didn't have any um, first division uh, soccer in New York this weekend because uh, the Red Bulls inexplicably were given a bye against uh, Montreal, but. Uh, in uh, in exchange for that, they loaned about 11 of their players down to the USL team, and I watched that game on Saturday, and I don't know if regular USL fans should be pretty upset about this when you could just have 11 MLS, essentially ringers, just go in, and they really bossed around Toronto. I mean, three of the four goals they scored were were regular uh, MLS contributors, if not infrequent contributors. I mean, do you think this is something that, that, uh, that fans of you know, the, the Sacramento's or Wilmington's the league should uh, should feel upset about. I think I think the league needs to make sure that they're very clear. And I'm, when I say the league, I mean USL. That they're very clear on what direction they want to go in. I mean, they could be in partnership with MLS, Bill. But if they're not going to attempt to maintain any any integrity in their competition over the up and down loans, I mean, you you just can't have. I, I I didn't know that this happened, but you just can't have that situation. If you want to, lo- you know, if you're if your USL team is going to be your USL team for most of the year, and yeah, you might be able to bring a guy up if you have an injury at the senior level. Maybe send a guy down if he's on a rehab stand. I mean, it, it's happened. LA did that last year with Robbie Rogers, and and they obviously moved Villarreal back up to the senior team this year. But you can't if it's wholesale. If it's it's if it's that is 
that is going to cause a it should cause a problem for the Sacramento's of the world for um you know for those USL teams that are in this that this is our team we're we may have four loanees from MLS but that's it they should yeah they should be upset about that I w- I would think that that's the right way to feel considering if you're going especially if you're going to say we're going to go over second division status well yeah but you can't just be a second division with a glorified minor league system you can't do that yeah i mean it was uh it definitely was obviously it was fun to watch but um i i, I could see where a lot of uh, a lot of people would be would be upset about that but anyway it's uh, it's fun to have uh, manhattan's only team as the uh, usl team will be up there in uh, northern manhattan later in the summer so yeah, there you go. fun to have appreciate appreciate the phone call bill mm-hmm. thanks a lot there you go uh speaking of new york uh, the new york cosmos uh with their first win of the year down in fort lauderdale against the strikers other NASL results, we'll just review those quickly. Jacksonville, debut, dis- defeated FC Edmonton 3-1 at home uh, there in Florida. San Antonio lost to Tampa Bay 3-1, so the Rowdies taking down the defending champs. Atlanta 1-1 with Indy 11, and Carolina beating Ottawa 3-1. If you have any thoughts on the NASL action, because I'll be honest with you, I didn't get a chance to partake of any this weekend, feel free to hit me up at 347 756 Six two seven six. Maybe that'll get Tim off my back a bit on Twitter. Yes, Tim. I mentioned the NASL. It's a it's a quality league on the up. Bill Peterson is a fascinating individual. I don't know what direction they're going to go in ultimately, but for the time being, they've got some talent down there. Obviously, you've got uh, Minnesota F- United FC making headlines because of the move to MLS, but obviously, you also have. Miguel Ibarra showing up for the national team out of the NASL. That's good stuff for them. And it all deserves uh, mention here. Here's a question. Now, if we're done with the Philadelphia Union stuff, and I'll leave it open. If you have a highlight from the weekend, I don't care where it's from, and you want to call in with it, hit me up at 347-756-6276. But I also want to conduct uh, an impromptu poll on that other thing I mentioned at the top of the show. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now, I think that this whole this story is a whole lot of nothing. Swedish newspaper Aftenbladet, no idea how you say that, but that's, that's how it looks, phonetically speaking, has reported that Zlatan Ibrahimovic has applied for a long-term visa for the U.S., fueling speculation he will move to MLS. Paris Saint-Germain striker Ibrahimovic, 33, reportedly went to the U.S. Embassy in Paris on March 19th to apply for the visa which the Swede would not require if he was only visiting the country as a tourist. So that's the entire thing is constructed on this idea that because he went for a visa, that means he's coming here for a long stay, which probably means MLS because eh, no one thinks that he's retiring anytime soon. So let's just presume that this premise, which again is a, very, is a, is a bit of a stretch, is true. That Zidane Ibrahimovic is going to end up in MLS, whether it's next year or five years from now. Actually, I guess that changes the question a bit. If it was next year, we would all take Zlatan in a second. But let's say Zlatan has longer has a longer plan. Three years from now, he's going to show up in MLS at the age of 36. Do you want him here? Would you be okay with that? I'm not, I'm not a fan of the retirement league talk. I think that misses some nuance. But I know and I understand that when players like Gerard and Lampard and Zlatan, if he ever showed up, when they get here at 35, it gives the league the look of a retirement league. But I also have exceptions that I'd be willing to happily make because I want to see these good players, these world icons, play in MLS because not only would it boost the profile of MLS here and abroad, but because they might still have some magic left in their feet. And I would put Zlatan in that category. I put Didier Drogba in that category, although that clock is ticking, winding down pretty rapidly. Who else would you throw in that? I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo at the age of 38, I, I'd be fine with that. Washington, what's up? Hey, what's up, Jason? Just wanted to talk about the Ibrahimovic topic you were mentioning. Yeah, if it's three years from now, I'm not cool with it. If he comes at 36, we need to go away from that, like you mentioned. We're not a retirement league. I don't think we ever were, but, you know, certain people have opinions of that when we first started, but we definitely are not now. Well, it's, now, it's, it's, it's also, a, just to jump in here, Washington, it's a matter of you look at it and you go, okay, you would pay, how much would you pay Zlatan Ibrahimovic to play in MLS? Eight million bucks a year? I mean, that's a lot of money. No one's making that kind of money. Maybe Kaká. Maybe he's close exactly. to that. But so, so you would say, all right, we're going to pay Zlatan $8 million. That's what it's going to take to get him to come play here. 
what could you do with that $8 million? Now, I think sometimes that's a false equivalency. Sometimes those things aren't directly related. You can't necessarily assume that that $8 million spent on Zlatan could go anywhere else. But yeah, it's easy to sort of go, well, hey, you could spend that on the academy. You could, you could buy, you know, you could have four quality players, un, you know, under the cap for the, for the amount that that hits the cap in MLS. Exactly. For, exactly. And, and for but you want to know what my thoughts were when I first saw that story was uh, the third DP for NYCFC. I really did think that. I was like, wow, maybe this summer. Maybe Good Lord. Third DP for NYCFC. I mean, look, we, we, I know City Football Group's got a lot of cash, but David Villa, Frank Lampard, and, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic all on the same team. Right and, around, hell yeah. And, hell know, yeah, so we can be the undisputed champions. We'll have Supporter <laughs> Shield and MLS Cup. Uh, yeah, well, it takes, <laughs> takes a little bit more than, than that, Washington. And I know you know right, that. Right, take care, man. All right, there goes Washington. Washington up in New York. Uh, yeah, if, if imagine the response if across MLS, if somehow NYCFC secured the services of Zlatan Ibrahimovic to go with Frank Lampard and David Villa. By the way, what was the stat to, uh, to mention the NYCFC here for a second? And I know they were off this weekend. What was the stat on Frank Lampard? He's played 109 minutes. Since January 1st, when he was originally supposed to join NYCFC for the new season. 109 minutes. He's not even a bit player at this point. Now, Manchester City has seen their title chase sort of collapse over the last month or so. Maybe more than that. They don't have any cup competitions left they're out of the champions what is left for frank lampard to do in manchester and the manchester derby coming this weekend right do i have my scheduling right on that any chance at all frank lampard steps on the field for more than five minutes in that match this is, and i'm not this is not a slight to frank lampard he's still an amazing player he is still an all-time premier league great and if you want to go back and stretch it even further and probably an all-time English first division great. And yet here he is doing nothing essentially, but warming a bench for Manuel Pellegrini when he could be in New York getting acquainted with his teammates ahead of a debut, I don't know, in a month's time. Maybe he wouldn't even need that much. Maybe three weeks, maybe two weeks. He's obviously pretty fit if he's training day in, day out. Maybe not 90 minutes fit. But he walks into that team, and he makes them better the second he shows up. And that's got to be the frustration for NYCFC fans. Not that they haven't had a decent start. Not that you, don't, you can't imagine them being okay until he arrives. Maybe he needs a, maybe he needs a vacation. And he figures, hey, my, I might as well stay with, him, uh, with Manchester City until the season ends. And we're not too far from the end of the campaign. Maybe he figures, I might as well stay, see it out, and then I could go on a, what, two-week vacation? Barbados or something? How is that going to go over? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know that he definitely is going to do that. But how is it going to go over? Man, Manchester City has four games left. How is it going to go over if Frank Lampard not only missed the start of the season because of that, un that misunderstanding and the miscommunication about whether or not he was actually signed or signed on loan or signed at Manchester. But then he goes on vacation for two weeks. If they're winning, if NYCFC is winning, who cares? But if they're not, things aren't going great. And Frank Lampard's off somewhere on the beach getting his picture taken by the English tabloids. How will people respond to that? Tim says, uh, I can't call in, sorry. Ibrahimovic and Ronaldo will both go to the Cosmos. Okay. I'm not laughing because it's impossible. I'm laughing because that's a lot of hope. That's a lot of hope. Brandon on Twitter, uh, just going to hit some tweets here as we get ready to probably wrap up this show. If you want to jump in, 347-756-6276. Fantastic callers today. You got a little bit of time. Your highlight from the weekend and the straw poll on whether or not you would uh, like to see uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic in MLS. You can hit us up at Soccer Morning if you want to do that as well. Keep that up. If you're a podcast listener and you're not listening live, go ahead and do that. And Lawrence is saying it was no misunderstanding or miscommunication. It was a flat-out lie, and everybody involved knew it was a lie. Okay, that's yeah, true. 
I gave them the benefit of the doubt. Daniel in Atlanta, what's going, man? What's going on? Hey, what's up? Good morning. <laughs> you all right over there, man? Yeah, I'm all right. All right, what's going on? Uh, I want to just stick back to this Latan talk, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. If Carlos Bocanegra is on point, he will sign him for Atlanta. Okay. Um, uh, Los has probably got some French language skills. I imagine Los Latan speaks some decent French, right? Because he's been there. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's the connection. I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe they've. Uh, maybe they've run into each. I don't know. How does he do that? How does he convince Latan? And I'm not. This isn't me putting down Atlanta, Daniel. But how does he get Latan to come to Atlanta? I don't know, man. Atlanta's different than, than where he's usually played. Um, shoot, it's not L.A., it's not New York, but it'll it'll bring some uh, some eyes towards Atlanta if they do come, if he does come. Uh, me being a Galaxy fan, you know, I would turn my eyes towards Atlanta if you end up signing a player like uh, Ibra. Is that? Do you think, uh, Daniel? While I have you, do you think that it's going to take some big spending on the on the part of Arthur Blank and some some big names to get people juiced? In it? I mean, they sold a lot sold a lot of season tickets already. Everything's lining up great for two, for 2017. They're going to be in that glittering new building. Whether it's a fit for soccer or not, we'll find out. But is it going to require David Villa, Frank Lampard level names in that team to keep the attention on the club? I don't speak for everyone, but in my personal opinion, I honestly believe that. Okay. Yes. I mean, look, look your, your town's got a, got a reputation for having fickle sports fans, Daniel. We would love to see them prove everybody wrong, but that's where everybody, that's where the, the fear is when it comes to Atlanta. It's a, big t- it's a big town. It's a cosmopolitan town. It's got a lot going for it, but the sports fans don't always show up, even when things are going great. So, you know, uh, let, let, if that's what it's going to take, I hope Arthur, Arthur Blank bust out that checkbook. Um, Arthur Blank, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I'm more of a Galaxy fan. I pay attention more to the Galaxy in Atlanta. But, I mean, this, this stuff, if Zlatan is actually going to come to MLS, I'd rather see him come to Atlanta, you know, sign pre-contact, come here, play here, you know, bring some eyes towards Atlanta. And then if he ends up leaving, doing like a Beckham thing, you know, it'd be good for a city like Atlanta. Okay. Appreciate the phone call, Daniel. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. There you go. 301, you're on the air. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Highlight of the weekend was that Rooney goal. Yeah, it was good. That uh, touch and finish, unbelievable. I, 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 uh, I'm still kind of – I watched that goal several times, and I'm still not quite sure how he managed to, to corkscrew his body that way and still get yeah. enough on it. To, to hit it to the uh, to the you know to the uh, to the side netting. It wasn't even. I mean, I don't know if he got side netting. But he certainly didn't hit it straight on, and that was uh, that was the the skill involved. And Wayne Rooney has been a frustrating player over much of his career. He's been one of the best players in England. There's been no doubt about that. But he hasn't always lived up to what people thought he should be. But when he finds those moments, he's pretty he's pretty spectacular. Yeah, no, not a doubt. And with Flatten, I'm all in for it. Uh, DC United open a stadium, get them same season. That oh, would be perfect. That would be interesting. Zlatan Ibrahimovic running around DC. Oh man, <laughs> I know some people. I know some people in, in United country would uh, be all in on that. I appreciate the call. Man, you got anything else? No, that's it. All Thanks. Right. Thanks a lot. Uh, with that, it probably is a good time to go ahead and wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning. You guys know we go to eleven uh, when we take a lot of calls. We have a full segment like that. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Soccer Morning. Make sure you go to backheel.com slash stow, no store, to get yourself a Soccer Morning mug. We got t-shirts over at 3nilfc.com. iTunes ratings and reviews always help out a lot. Uh, I'm not sure where we're ranking these days because I really don't tie myself worth to that stuff. But I, I think we're doing pretty good. I mean, this is the best soccer program available, right? Is there any doubt about that? Anybody? You don't have to be so quick to say no. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you very much to uh, Scott McCarthy for his insights on MLS today. Make sure you come back tomorrow. We'll be back with a full episode then. And uh, producer Trevor, doing work as always. Appreciate his stuff. All right, and tomorrow, debut with a new phone system. So you'll get to talk to producer Trevor for just a couple of seconds. That'd be good. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.